Welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast, the podcast where we talk about the scriptures and elements of them that uh, make them more real and more understandable to us so we can apply them in our lives more. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Carrie Mielstein, and I'm joined today by, by our other co-host, Lamar Newmeyer. Lamar, it's good to be together with you. Yes, it's, we took a little bit of a break there, but uh, a week or so. Yeah, but yeah let's, let's get rolling. Yeah, we've got all sorts of great stuff to, to talk about. And uh, we're actually, I think, going to do break this into two. That the amount of things we want to talk about that have to do both with the flood story, but in some ways uh, have to do with understanding all of the Old Testament. We we feel like it just kind of be almost too big, so we're going to break it into two different episodes. And this one, we're going to focus on the first part of the story, and especially a couple of uh, Hebrew words that can help us uh, make sense of some things and and maybe draw a little bit more meaning out of it and that when we think of them in those terms it makes it a little more real for us and uh this one might be a little bit shorter and the next one might be a little bit longer does that am i encapsulating yeah yeah right? you're right on and this is why i'm excited to be doing this with you i'm just a, a neophyte what do i know i mean i've studied a little bit here and there but you've spent a good hunk of your life you know the last what 30 years doing this 30 more 40 yeah yeah when i, when I first started taking oh 1992 is when i took my first hebrew class yeah. so we're at 30 years right now yeah there yeah. you go so i'm glad to be here with you so you can uh correct me where i fall on my face <laughs> <laughs> well I, I i doubt you'll fall on your face you know what may have been 91 actually anyway yeah somewhere in there uh there'll be no face falling but we can uh, we can uh, certainly uh blunder in a fun way uh, that's, that's what this is all about. So, uh, and I think you had some stuff you wanted to kind of bring up and, and talk about in terms of the Noah story and the flood story. Yeah. Now come follow me is going to get to the point where we're, um, talking about the, the Noah and the flood and, and, um, and starts in, in chapter five. It says this is the generations of Adam and then it goes on from there and it talks about things that happened to Adam. And then we get to Noah and Noah, uh, has some really nice things said about him. And I always think uh, last year when I was teaching some of the Doctrine and Covenants, um, there were a couple of people that were called out by name. Sometimes it was good call out and sometimes they were called out for not good things. And if you're going to yeah. be called out for something, be called out for something good. And uh, this is what I really like about what it says about, um, about Noah. It says in chapter six of Genesis, um, says in verse nine, it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Now there's some interesting things in there. First of all, it uses the word perfect. And perfect is a, is a word. Like, aren't we seeking therefore to be perfect? Now, does this mean that Noah is perfect? Is he a perfect person? That's a great question. And uh, let's see here. What verse was that again? That was nine. That's verse nine. Verse yeah, nine. So I'm just uh, looking it up in my Hebrew Bible. So as while well. you're looking that up, I'm going to throw it. it up. I had a, uh, one of my uh, friends and also he was one of the state presidency while I was in the, uh, in the bishopric. He said, if you want to know the sealed part of the book of Mormon or the sealed part of the scriptures, what he said, you got to look in the footnotes wow. and the, and the Bible dictionary. Actually, and what if I should, Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I love this. This uh, net, it's called netbible.org. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Um, and they, I'm gonna, uh, netbible.org, they've done their own translation, uh, and uh, so on. They have all sorts of great tools. So, one of the things that they can do, in fact, let's do this first of all. We're gonna do, um, 
parallel and we're going to do yeah verse nine is what we're interested in looking at right verse nine correct yes so oh, if we, we go to their parallel then we're going to see how different uh translations do this so they said he was blameless i'm going to argue that that's not my favorite translation but they've got a whole footnote where they go into it all right, right. then we've got the new international version where it says he was uh, blameless blameless uh and then we've got uh righteous and blameless and righteous uh, a man of integrity and uh, without sin. Uh, and I don't think any of those are really getting it. Then we get the new King Jesus version, which goes with the perfect again. Um, yeah, right. Comes and, back to perfect. Uh, righteous and so on. So here's another feature that this can do. We can click on the Hebrew here. And if we go here to where it says um, perfect in his generation, then you can see over on the right-hand side, it right. highlights the Hebrew word tamim. And it gives you down at the bottom on the right-hand side, some definitions of this and these definitions are worth looking at complete whole entire sound so we can come back to those ideas or complete whole entire whole sound healthful complete entire so that's why i think it doesn't mean like blameless or sinless it's something a, a bigger concept going on here but you can see there that that word tamim so anyway sorry keep going no 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 uh, you're that's perfect i'm glad you throw that up so that's excellent uh that's some good information there and you can leave it up if you want to leave it up there for oh, a while but the good right. thing is or not, the interesting thing I should say is that in the bottom of our scriptures, if you look down at the bottom, it says the same thing in the footnotes right off the side there. If you look at perfect it has a C and it says Hebrew, the H E B means Hebrew word, complete whole or having integrity. And it also gives you a couple other good references about other people that were, they use the word perfect around. Um, it also references Moses eight twenty seven, which covers the same type of material. But the good thing, I keep saying the good thing, but what I want to say is that the interesting thing about this is the concept of being perfect. Yeah. Um, Brigham Young, I don't have this quote ready at hand. I should have had this, but there's a quote by Brigham Young where he says uh, that you can be perfect in your own way if you're doing the best with what you know how. Um, and man, I, why didn't I have that thing queued up here? But anyway, that's what he says. He says, you can be perfect or perfectly justified if you are living according to the knowledge and the light that you have. And I think that's perfect. I yeah. think that's great that we can do, if we're doing the best of what we have right now, or at least giving it a shot of being our best, we can be justified in these things and we can have integrity. I'll tell you one little thing about the word integrity. I had a, 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 a teacher when I was 14 years old. She was a Sunday school teacher. Her name was Wendy. And, uh, and I remember this very clearly, she taught a lesson about integrity and that has stuck to me to this day about integrity. In fact, I, even in one of my companies, my logistics company, I use the word integrity in my log line. It's integrity is our compass. And I've always thought that if I wanted anything said about me, I wanted to be integrity. Wendy told me this great lesson. And the funny end of that story is I just connected with her after <laughs> 40 years I connected with her on Facebook. So Facebook is good for some things. Yeah, I said, I looked her up and she has a very interesting last name. And I'm like, I thought I could find her. I found her and I said, hey, you gave me a great lesson years ago about integrity. And I happen to be covering it in my podcast this week. <laughs> <laughs> and so she said, well, thanks very much. Anyway, it was really great. But okay, so the point is, you can be perfect in a way that is meaningful in, in that if you're living according to your gospel light, to your knowledge, then you are, you're, you're justified. You have integrity. You're perfect in that 
particular realm. So I think that's what we're going for in this one. This is what they're saying about Noah. Noah is a just man. He's doing the right thing. He's, he's, um, he may not be blameless for everything. I mean, everybody does things that are wrong or incorrect or whatever, but that's not what God is focusing on. He's focusing on a man with integrity and who is walking upright. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And, and I think we can even go a step further. I think especially this idea, because really the, the, the meat of that word and their kind of offshoot meanings, and that happens with all words, right? There's this kind of core meaning, and then we, we kind of, it comes to mean other things. And so integrity and all blameless, all these things comes in with that. But really the, the core of that word is being whole or complete or, or uh, sound, right? That's really the core of it. And there's a cognate, in, uh, and by cognate, we mean when you've got a, a very similar language, like say uh, Portuguese and Spanish or something like that, then they'll have a lot of words that are very, very similar, like, like a cognate between English and German. We say milk, they say milk, right? Um, and so it's, uh, that's a cognate. Um, so we've, uh, the cognate in Arabic is tamam, and it's typically, if you want to ask everyone, hey, are you okay? Is everything all right with you? You say, tamam? And they'll say, yeah, tamam, right? Or oh, not okay. tamam, la tamam, uh, mish tamam. But uh, uh, tamam just means you're, you're, you're full, you're all right, you're okay. Um, but in Hebrew, it has just a little bit of a deeper meaning. It's this, this like fully sound, complete, and whole. And I actually think we can get a little bit more of a glimpse into this if we, we jump forward. So we won't cover this when we get to... Um, the Abrahamic covenant, we have like five podcasts lined up and ready to go on that already because so many people love that part and want to talk about it. But um, uh, the Abrahamic covenant, when in Genesis uh, chapter 17, as God is about to, to reestablish that covenant or Abraham's going to enter into it in a little more fully in a very significant way, um, God tells him to be perfect. So let's, in fact, let's, let's turn there and see, whoops, uh, in my scriptures, it's the page that has fallen out because I've turned there so often. Um, Genesis 17. Yeah. And um, it's verse one, Genesis oh. 17, verse one. And he says, and this is part of the entering into the covenant. You can say, cause they're stating names and all that kind of thing, which is part of a covenant process. Uh, and when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God. That's him identifying himself. He's going to change Abraham's name in a minute. Uh, uh, that's part of the process as well. But but he says, I'm the almighty God. And now he's going to tell him what to do. And he says, walk before me and be thou perfect. But the word is Tamim. But I think it's significant that it's part of the, you're going, this is part of the covenant process, right? Because, and think about that. He's, he's telling him be perfect. And then he's going to tell him part of how to be perfect, which is I'm, I'm making this covenant with you. And there are promises. My hand will be over you. My power will be over you and so on and so on. It's to be, so I think it's to be made complete or whole given the stage we're in, but only with the help and power of Christ, right? So the, as you and I, and, and I, I think it's great how it talks about this with Noah and it's just, uh, Noah's also going to have this whole covenant reestablished with him, right? Um, and, uh, and so I think this is a great way of describing Noah as well, but the idea is you enter into a covenant with God and you allow the atoning power of Christ's sacrifice to enter into your life and your heart, and you'll be made whole. You'll be sound. You'll be full. You'll be complete for the stage you're in. There's more of the covenant to enter into later. There, there, you'll be more sanctified and so on and so on. But given where you're at right now, if you'll covenant with God and allow his power to be in your life, 
you can be complete at That's peace, perfect. whole sound, uh, taking that, that, uh, um, atoning sacrifice in your life. Now that absolutely has to do with the integrity as you were talking about. And I would guess that's why integrity gets associated with this word because we experience those blessings. So that's one of the promises of the covenant then is that you're whole. All right. Um, and eventually the fullness of us is we're completely whole and completely sound, or in other words, we're godlike, but that's right. going to happen later. Right. So, and I think it's interesting that it says just in his generation, right? So given where he's at, right. Um, where where his stage right now that he's, he's there right, he's complete right. and whole, um, but uh, but that only happens if we're keeping the covenant with integrity. Doesn't actually say I don't know that it's saying we keep it with full and complete perfection. We keep it with integrity, right? We are honestly striving, and those are the words we get in the temple recommend process, right? Are you right. striving? There are a couple striving. like, are you paying your tithing? That's a, that's a, that's a yes or no thing. Right. Yeah. But, but a lot of them are, are you striving? And it's really, I, I, I think if we're striving to keep the covenant, no one keeps it perfectly, but if you're striving to keep the covenant, then in the end you are being made perfect or tamim, complete, whole, sound, fine, peace, full of peace, all of these things uh, by the atoning sacrifice of, of Christ. And uh, that's very comforting to me. And I suspect that this is the word we don't, we only have it in Greek. But I suspect that this is the word that the, the Savior uses in the New Testament when he says, be therefore perfect. Perfect, right. To the mm -hmm. Nephites again. I would be really shocked, and, th and that's in uh, Aramaic as well, which is probably what he was speaking. I'd be really shocked if he's not saying tamam. Be tamam or be tamim, right? Um, uh, be whole in the covenant through me. Right, what I think he's saying. So it's, it's a beautiful concept, really. Yeah, I really like that. I think it's, I think it's a... Um... Uh, it's a it's a way to feel good about where you're at and not be overwhelmed. One of the things we hear about the church is like, I can't do everything and be perfect minister and a perfect this for, well, maybe not, but are you striving? The word you used is perfect. Strive is the word we're going for. We're really yeah. honestly working for that and we're, we're doing our best to be in there. It doesn't mean you're going to be 100% on everything you always do, but you're striving. You're, you're trying to get there. Yeah. In fact, maybe I can use an example uh, where this kind of became real for me. Uh, I'm, I'm serving as a bishop right now, and I've never been someone who's uh, kind of, I, I don't typically get overwhelmed. I feel like, okay, you know, this will work out. I just, I always have this feeling, this will work out, right? And and I've never been one to feel like guilty, like I'm not doing enough, because I know I'm, I'm trying, and yeah, I make mistakes, but that's what Christ is for. And so I felt fairly comfortable with that 99% of my life. But we were in um, a, a training meeting uh, a while ago, it was a leadership meeting that the area presidency wanted to do for the Utah area and so on. And they just kept saying, okay, and we want bishops to do this and this and this and this and this. And a lot of them, they're saying, we want them to do it weekly. We want you to do this weekly and that weekly and this weekly. And I thought, I, I, that's impossible. I'm yeah. looking at the list, right? And, and a, there's an apostle president and there's an area president, president, an area author, a general authority. And they're all saying these things. And so I'm really trying to take it seriously. And I'm writing down, they want me to do that. And by the end of that meeting, I've got this long list and I'm looking at it thinking, I can't do this. Oh, right. It yeah. is, it is too literally much. impossible for me. And some of them are meetings with the youth and they all, all these weekly meetings. And I'm thinking, I, I don't have enough time. It, it just doesn't yeah. exist. Uh, right. And I was, I was one of the few times I was starting to feel overwhelmed. Like, I, I don't know how to do this. And I really had this strong feeling. Uh, yeah. You're not going to do it all. Don't worry. I'll guide you and I'll, and I'll take care of it. 
but I still felt a little bit uneasy, but it just so happens that a little later that week, uh, someone wanted to do a, a podcast interview for their podcast. And they, they brought up this Tamim in Genesis 17. And, uh, and as I was talking about it, that's one of those times where the spirit said to me, see what I'm talking about. It's, it's gonna <laughs> right. I, well, that's I, I told you this is going to work out. I'll take care of what you can't do. You just, you just do your best and I'll take care of it. And I think that, that that's implicit in the word Tamim. And hopefully that becomes real for all of us so that we find uh, we're just a little bit more confident. Well, that's perfect. Uh, I'm keep using the word perfect. I do it a lot. Yeah, well, it's well, in my speech. Because like, we're talking about perfect, right? But now. I use yeah. I use that in my speech normally. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Anyway, but yeah. I think that's, that's exactly the right message because when we start to get overwhelmed, just remember that we're going to do the best that we can with what we do and let the spirit guide us to what activities we have to do. And the other things, if they don't get done, they don't get done. But, but we, but the spirit will tell us what, what things need to be done. And what we, you know, if you're ministering, who do you need to see, when you need to see him, try to strive for that. Look, look for those things. Anyway, yeah. well, that was, that was my thing about, I wanted to point that out about Noah up right up front, because I think that's a great way to introduce who Noah is. And this is a good guy. He's a good guy. He's, he's going the right way. He's doing the right things. And, and the Lord's going to rely on him heavily. And he's keeping his covenant, right? He's keeping his covenant. That's right. Great. Okay. Um, so in that same chapter in Genesis 6, now this is a, a side note. I don't want this to be the focus of, of what this is, but we talk about when the scriptures become real to us. And sometimes you make those little connections that sparks in your mind that goes, oh, wow, this is I don't know. It's, it's to me. I don't know how to explain it other than to say the world becomes a little bit smaller. I think I've said that before, and not, not, not smaller in size. It just becomes more connected. Like when I went over to Europe and over to Israel, and I was there, I'm like, these things are touchable. They're real. They're they're not. They might be separated by a span of time, hundreds, maybe thousands of years, but they become more real to me as I sit. And this is one of those things that happened. I was reading this. So if you look at verse 16, still in Genesis mm -hmm. 6, and it says, um, a window shalt thou make in the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish above it, and the door of the ark shall thou set in the side of it. Okay, so if you look again, here's the sealed portion of the scriptures. It says window there, and there's a little A on it. And if you go over there, it says the Hebrew word is sohar. And it says some rabbis believed it was a precious stone that shone in the ark. And I was like, really? That was a real thing? And so I did a little, a little research on it. And it turns out this is the only time that this, in fact, if you want to pull it up on your, just, oh, there it is right there. You have it up on your, on your, uh, your parallel. And the window shut to make in the ark. And notice how there on yours, it says noon or midday. Now, this is the only time that this word, Sohar, is used for window, is in this specific instance and then i saw this thing where it said uh that it was that it was uh the hebrews thought it was a, a precious stone that shone in the ark and there is if you wanted to go and look this up you could find um there's a there's an article particularly written um by uh let me find this if you go to ldsstudies.blogspot.com this is a, a website by uh by Tim Barker, and he has an article called A Jaredite Scripture, or The, the Jaredite Scriptures and Sohar. So if you want to look that up, The Jaredite Scriptures and Sohar, you'll find this article, 
and he goes through and talks about how um, there, th this is found in other places where the, the, there's a, a Hebrew tradition that this, there was a shining gem, some called it a pearl, some call it a gem, that shone in the ark and was like a light in there, it was a lamp. And what, what uh, Tim points out here in his article, and what I thought of immediately also is, well, that sounds like another story that I know of. I know of another guy who was about ready to get into a ship and had to go across some waters and he didn't want to go in darkness the whole time. He knew he was going to be out there a while. So he took some, some stone, he, well, he molted some things and made some, what you might think of as glass. He molted these stones. He took them before the Lord. And of course, we're talking about the brother Jared mentioned in ether. And he says, Lord, will you touch these and they'll become light. Well, where did he get that story? Or where to get the, that idea? Now, I don't want to take anything away from the brother Jared at all. Um, it could have been a, total, a wholly new thought to him, but maybe not. He also had scriptures, and he probably had this story. He's not all that far separated, less than a thousand years, I think, if I remember math. He's not that far away from Noah, and he might have this information at hand. And so he knows this has been done before. I can do it now. That's a perhaps way to do it. Anyway, so I thought this was interesting. Again, if Joseph Smith is making this up, man, he's a sure he, he sure is a good guesser and guesses yeah. all kinds of things that he had no access to. But anyway, yeah. Um, and let, I just thought look, it was a great story. It is, and maybe we can look. I'm gonna, I'm just going to pull up the the parallel mm -hmm. Bible yeah. here, and it's verse 16, right? Verse 16, correct. And you'll see that people really struggle with knowing how to translate this. So most often they, they say roof, make a, a, a roof. And at Sohar is not a roof. No. Uh, you know, it, it really does mean like midday or bright brightness, the bright period of the day is what right. it means. And so a roof doesn't work. Some people say window, roof. I love this one, the NLT. I don't even know what version that is. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, well, 18 inches is a window. cubit, right? Because it yeah, says yeah. a cubit. So they're, so. they're throwing the cubit in, but uh, this uh, opening, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Opening doesn't really work for this, but I think what they're trying to say is that's them trying to figure out, well, how do you see the sun at, at midday? At midday. Well, have an opening where you can look straight up and see the sun. You know what? That works for me. Maybe that's what it means. Um, maybe it's make a, something that allows you to see the sun at midday. Uh, okay, I'm good with that. You can see that it's all pretty much roof or, or uh, a window um, because people really don't know um, what to do with this phrase, but it's, it's, in some way it's tied with light and it's either make something and maybe it's also like the the barges the Jaredites have where it's almost like they build these corks, right? Where, yeah, okay, right. put that in, put a cork in it. And then when you need some air light, uncork it. Okay, good. And then cork it again. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe that's what it is. And maybe it, he's getting the idea there, or, or maybe it's, you know, something where you can see the sun, but I think it's a, a real possibility, this idea of, of, of uh, light, that it's, it's some kind of stone or something. And, and as you said, certainly, uh, there's a Jewish tradition behind that. I don't know that all Jews believe this, but there was a Jewish uh, tradition yeah, that um, that it's a, some kind of stone or gem or something that provides light for them. When, and you know what? They probably need something that provides light for them. Uh, I don't think they can have just a, a clear opening with the kind of flooding that's going on unless they just have a drain that goes down and out or something. I don't know. But Yeah, I don't um, know either. 
uh, I think it, it, it works really well in the story in the same way it would with the Jaredites for it to be that kind of thing you're talking about. And I, and I love that idea because, uh, and, and really you mentioned this uh, earlier when you and I were chatting, but if, if this is the case, and, and neither of us are saying we know for sure it is the case, but no, I think it's I a know. really interesting possibility. If this is the case, then the brother of the story of Noah may have for, for a brother of Jared served as a, a catalyst to his receiving inspiration for, oh, here's what I need to do. And it gave him the solution he was looking for right. for his own people. And that's whether that story is accurate or not, that's exactly what the scripture should be doing for us, right? That's exactly right. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I want to read this one last piece. This is at the very end of, of uh, this, this um, uh, Blogspot article from uh, Tim Barker. He says, both elders Richard G. Scott and Dallin H. Oaks have suggested that the scriptures themselves can become a personal Urim and Thummim to mm. each of us. And I think that's what we're going here for. When we started talking about the catalyst, that the scriptures are a catalyst, you know, we may not be reading about the exact thing that's in our lives, but it's a catalyst for us to think about other things. When, we're, when we are spending time learning the language of God, which is scripture, how God speaks to us, that allows us a conduit to heaven to be able to receive revelation on any number of things. So anyway, that was just an interesting thing. Um, I, it's always been kind of a fun thing that I, that I cross when I start the Old Testament again. And I see that from time to time. And I thought, well, I'll throw that out there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's worth. So part of what we're doing, there are a lot of really strange elements in the Noah story. And I think part of what we're trying to do is help people make a little bit of sense for those and, and uh, see that sometimes what seems really strange to us when we really look into it can actually be really meaningful and impactful for us. So, you know, it, it seems strange to say he was a perfect man or to say uh, that they, they built a window in the ark. <laughs> uh, uh, and you think, well, how does that work? But, uh, but in the end, and I don't know if any of our understandings are completely correct but uh these things can really speak to us and that's that's a powerful thing and hopefully we're helping this all make sense to people better we want the old testament this year um to to make well we want it to make sense every year but especially this year we want it to, <laughs> to make sense and become real instead of uh foreign land that the past has been said is is a foreign land and that's true but we want to become natives in it uh, and that's like when that. it becomes real for us. And, and it should be native because we are of the covenant. It's the story of the covenant people. It's the story of our ancestors. It really is our native territory. We just have to come back home. All right. It's a little bit like um, I, I, my ancestors are from Switzerland. Well, on, on half of my family, right? The Mielsteins are right, from Switzerland. Right. Um, and, uh, and I've gone back to switzerland only i've I wanted to my whole life and it was only a few years ago uh i think three years ago um that i i went back and went to the home that my uh, great 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 grandpa was living in when he heard the gospel and joined it's still mulesteins in there now they're flying the mulestein flag there and so on oh wow um, and and i've had the opportunity because of various conferences and things anyway to, to go back three times now and i now feel like i, I to begin with, it was both home and it felt foreign, but now, and not that I know it really well, I've spent maybe a total of three days there, right? but, but it feels like coming home to me. And well, that's, that's, very cool. that's what the Old Testament should be for us. Uh, and that if it, when it's becoming real to us, it should become real at least partially because uh, these are our scriptures about the covenant. We're covenant people, our ancestors, whether literally or by making the covenant, 
um, the Old Testament should be coming home. And so hopefully we go through some things that make it feel like home instead of foreign land for everybody. And if you want to hear more about that, listen to Carrie's address that he gave. It's probably just before this one. Um, you talked about that a lot in your address to your ward, which I thought was uh, well done. Very well done. Uh, thank you. All right. There you go. Okay. And I think, uh, I think we were going to talk a little bit about uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 2, um, and, and a couple of other places where it has some odd things in there. Um, now, do you want to do this here, or do you want to do it in a separate one so that it's up to you. We can go. Uh, let, let's talk on. about that one with this one, and then we can uh, okay. just start doing the actual flood with the 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 next podcast. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, which one are you going to? What's your? Let's go to verse two. In okay. Genesis. Although there are similar verses verses in the Moses account, and in fact, the Moses account has more information that we're going to draw on. But it says, um, "The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair." And they took them wives of all which they chose. And I can't tell you how many weird things people have done with that. <laughs> I know. Um, I've heard some weird ones too. Yeah. They're, like, they're, okay, there are these demi demigods who came down yeah. and had children with, with uh, mortals. And their, uh, their offspring were the giants that we read about. Because it does talk about giants, both in the, the Genesis and the Moses account. Uh, right. I don't know if those giants, I mean, the, the word in Hebrew is just like really big guys. I don't think it's like uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk kind of giants. But uh but more like uh, Andre the Giant kind of giants, but I, I don't know. But uh, but uh, it, we really can't tell. I don't know what giants mean, but it, se it seems to be associated with this kind of big heroic class of guys that could do all sorts of things. And and some of that may be. Um, we have to remember that uh, by the time this is being written, I mean this period is long past, and and uh, you know they, it, it's just oral tradition that's been handed down to them at some point it was written down but at some point they seem to have lost that and they have oral tradition or something but um so they may not have a full understanding of i don't know exactly what a giant is and so on but i don't think there were demigods uh, or things like this and in fact if you read the, the the account in the book of moses and you look fairly consistently you're called a a son of god or there are times where you're called a daughter of god if mm -hmm. you're making and keeping the covenant and you're not, if you're not making and keeping the covenant. And when you think about our scriptures, that makes perfect sense. We have all sorts of places where it talks about you become a child or a daughter or a son right. of God when you make that covenant. You take the God's name upon you and Christ's name upon you and so on. It's all over the place. It's in John. It's in Doctrine and Covenants. It's, I mean, th this, this concept is, is everywhere. And so that makes sense to me. So I think what it's saying is that you had sons of God, meaning people who were keeping the covenant. Covenant people. Who right. are seeing daughters outside of the covenant and they're marrying them and and it looks like in the book of moses you also get an account where there are people who are guys who aren't part of the covenant are wanting to marry girls who are in the covenant and so on right and i think that's what it's talking about rather than any of this uh, demigod stuff or whatever weird things people do with it maybe i shouldn't say weird that might be <laughs> maybe we should revive this uh the daughters of men that they were fair maybe we should revive that among the among the uh the young people are like, oh, she is fair. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so oh, fair. Yep, that's fine. Uh, you know, She's fair. Yeah. All right. I, I like that better than some of the things people are saying. So, yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. right. <laughs> you know, what a fair, what a fair daughter she is. <laughs> and I think, I think you could say that to someone. It's less intimidating to say that on a date. You know, I really feel like you're a fair daughter. <laughs> but, um, Anyway, but uh, I think it's worth noting that a lot of what's going on here is whether or not you're keeping the covenant, and the problem really develops when there aren't enough people keeping the covenant 
for uh, marriages and families to keep going on. That's a huge problem. That's the problem that Noah is facing, really. And so I think that's that's worth uh, taking into account. Yeah, there's a lot of problems in his day. There's People are not behaving very well. Yeah. And so I guess that's what we can get into in the next podcast. So maybe that's a, a good place to end this one. Uh, but I think that that's a very real thing in our lives is, uh, and I'm not saying that uh, you are a crass sinner uh, if you are interested in someone who's not part of the covenant, but I am saying that that, that, that represents a real danger. Uh, and and uh, it's one thing, I know lots of people who got someone to join the covenant and then they married them. Yep. And I know people who it didn't happen that way and so on. But I, I think we're safe in saying that uh, we want to create covenant families. Uh, we want to create families by making covenants with God and keeping covenants with God. And uh, that's worth uh, taking into account as much as it is, whether you're looking for a fair son or a fair daughter. Um, uh, it, it's uh, important to know, are they a fair son of God or a fair daughter of God, meaning having been born of God because they've made and right. are keeping covenants? That, that's a very real and important concern for us today. Yeah, I think that's a great way to, to, to wrap that up. All right. Well, thank you. We've got uh, look for the, the kind of second podcast on Noah and the flood story where we'll delve into some uh, more uh, tricky and difficult questions that I think will really impact the way we understand uh, the Old Testament in general and our relationship with God. But I think this is a good wrap for this one. So thank you for uh, to Lamar, first of all, for the great questions and ideas that he is, is bringing up and to our audience for being with us on this journey where we explore how the scriptures are real. Make sure you share and like and uh, go and be impacted and share your, your scriptural impact with others. Perfect. Thank you.